0: Everybody has problems. I suppose you know. We just have to ask for prayer requests and the problems begin to filter our way. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Everyone has problems. Everyone has problems. Do you know why? Well, we've been doing a little series of meetings since January and we have found out that because life is a school... And because God has appointed himself to be the teacher of every individual in this world... By the way, I still maintain that that's probably the most awesome thought that I can entertain. God has decided to personally become my teacher. Did you know that? And he's done the same thing for you. And because he has personally decided that he would teach you as an individual... And because he has decided that he's going to teach you down here in this world so that life as you know it becomes a school, then he's decided that we would have problems. Because his method of teaching us is problems. And we can read that in uh, Acts of the Apostles, 524, paragraph 2. It says there, trial is part of the education given in the school of Christ. Now, trial isn't everything. I suppose you can sit with your Bible, you can read something out of it, and learn, right? And if you can learn it there, you won't have to go through the test of it or the trial of it. Well, you may be tried, but it won't be much of a trial if you've already learned the lesson. All that God wants is for you to learn the lesson. But we don't learn easily that way. Have you noticed? We're a little bit stubborn. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Lord knows it. We don't know it. And he has to get through to us that it is so. So trial is part of the education. It is because God is leading his children that trying experiences come to them. Do you have any trying experiences? Do you want to know why you have trying experiences? It is because God is leading you. Just that simple. And we ought to be praising the Lord all the time. Every time a trial comes our way, praise the Lord. It's coming from Him. It's coming from the one who knows exactly what you need. He knows what the fit is. And He's sending it to you to give you the education that you need. He's fitting you for the kingdom of heaven. And the last part in that uh, paragraph is this. Trials and obstacles are God's chosen methods of discipline. His appointed condition of Success. Now we're not talking about success this morning. We want to talk about failure and I should have started with that. The title this morning is F. We've been doing the A, B and C of problem solving. We've gone through A to E and today we're looking at F. And F happens to be facing what? Failure. failure. That's it. That's what it is. We're not talking about success this morning. We're talking about facing failure. Failure. Now, we've been doing this 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 series, it's called How to Solve Problems, and I've been giving it a subtitle, really, How to Meet Life Successfully. And we've been going through the A, B, and C of problem solving. We've done A, B, C, D, and now we're facing F. But I want you to know something, F is not a step in problem solving. As a matter of fact, F is as much a problem as is any other problem that we have to face, for some people anyway. Do you like Failure? Do you like even the idea of it? (laughs) No. It's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's the point. That's the point. We need to look at it. Because we need to meet life successfully. And failure is part of life. And how are you going to meet it? How are you going to meet it? Do you know what a problem is? I mean, do you have a definition for it? Kathy Lee, she has a definition for everything. (laughs) Well, it is an opportunity in disguise, but Kathy, that's not a definition. (laughs) It is that though, isn't it? So tell me, give me a definition of the word problem. Ah, man, you must have read my notes. That's exactly what it says. If you don't know the answer to a, something that you're facing, then it's a problem, isn't it? And if you knew the answer, if you had a solution, you wouldn't have a problem. It would be akuna matata. You know what that means? <laughs> well, you haven't been watching movies. <laughs> it's Swahili for no problem. Do you know that every language in the world has this saying? No problem. Do you ever say that sometimes? Well, if you can say no problem, you don't have a problem. You don't have a problem. (laughs) It's finished. That's where it is. Ah, friends, listen. Life is a school. God is the teacher. And he says, no problem, no education. That's what he says. As a matter of fact, if you had a math teacher and you went to her classes and she gave you no math problems, you wouldn't get to know anything about education, about uh, math anyway, right? No problems, no education, no trials, no obstacles, no success. We've got to be placed in a circumstances where we don't know the answer to the circumstance we're in if we're ever going to grow, if we're going to ever going to learn anything. So now, how are we going to meet trials and obstacles and problems? Well, this is what we've been looking at. This is actually our, our eighth um, meeting in this series. That's what we've been studying. First, A. Do you remember what A is all about? Accept the assignment. Do you know that that's the hardest thing there is of all the steps to take? Oh, I know. And every now and again, being that I live here at Eden Valley, being that I have some responsibilities on my shoulders, being that some people are very happy to tell me about other problems that I didn't know about, and they, they kind of stack up from every direction, all kinds of problems. And every, time, and every now and again, I get the impression in my soul that it's becoming very heavy sometimes. Do you know what God says? Hey, I'm in charge of your education. All you've got to do is accept the assignment as coming from a loving God. Don't avoid it. Don't evade it. Don't run away. Meet it. If the Lord puts a problem in your lap, it's because He knows exactly what you need and He aims to get you where He wants you to be by that problem. Are you afraid of the problem? Don't be afraid of the problem. But I am sometimes. And, it's, you know, we, we listen to Frances and she says she's full of doubt. Well, I tell you what, this is part of human nature. Doubting the circumstances we're in is part of the program that we're in. And this is the thing we need to fight. Don't submit yourself to being full of doubt. Believe whether you believe or not. Isn't there a man in the Bible who said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Don't put God as if He isn't God at all. There is a God in heaven. He hears our prayers. He really, really does. Well, as a matter of fact, I believe with all my heart that a problem that comes to your life is really an expression of confidence from God. Did you know that? Why? You wouldn't go to a first grader and give him an algebra problem, would you? Why? Why? Well, because you have no confidence that he could understand or he could meet or he could handle this situation. And so you don't do it. And God will not give you anything he thinks you can't handle. Now, if he gives you a problem and it looks like a big elephant of a problem, praise God. He has confidence that you can handle this thing. Well, at least he knows he can handle it. And he says, and what he's saying in and through the situation is, I will handle this situation for you, through you, if you will have faith. Have faith in God. This is what we want. Okay. If you think about it for a little while, God has been brooding over your case for an eternity. God has been pondering your education for a long, long time. Do you think he's going to make a mistake now by sending you a circumstance that you can't handle? What do you think? Isn't there a verse in the Bible says that we will not be tested or tempted or tried? or troubled, or problemized, if that's the word, any more than we can handle? Is there a verse like that? Well, there is. That's right. And it is true. And don't go looking at any circumstances as something that is overwhelming. It may look overwhelming. It's only there in appearance. It's a dragon that's made out of paper. It's a lion that's tied with a chain who has no teeth, only a roar. That's all. And so we can have faith in God. Have you ever seen a coconut? Have you ever seen one that comes from off a tree? Uh-huh, a palm, I mean. Is it a problem? Ah, but friends, if we can learn to solve that problem, that, that problem, if we can learn to crack that problem, oh, how sweet it is. And it's sweet in the drinking and in the eating also. And so this is what life is all about. We're handed lots of coconuts. <laughs> But there's sweetness in the whole thing. So, A is accept the assignment. It's handed to us from a loving teacher, an all-wise teacher, an all-loving teacher, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And then that leads us, of course, to the B of problem-solving. You know that in the B of problem-solving, there's two things. Do not believe that you can handle it yourself. Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. Ah, but friends, it's the same God who said... With me, you can do what? All things. And so, don't lose confidence. The assignment is for you. The very one that's facing you in the face and that you quiver about. Now, we go to a sea of problem solving, which is just plain. We get very, very practical at this point. At this point, it's very simply this. Now, friends, I don't know about you. Now, I've prepared this series. Actually, I didn't prepare this series. Another man prepared it. I'm just preaching it. You see? But it's been close to my heart for several years. And there's a little formula in here. And the formula is true. And where it becomes very practical, like at the sea of problem solving, don't turn around, don't look in another direction. You've got to do this in a very practical manner. See is claim the wisdom that God is offering. Does He offer wisdom? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to every man liberally, generously not looking for fault, God is standing in heaven or sitting in heaven or whatever He's doing in heaven and He's offering to us all the wisdom that He has and He says to me and to you, come and claim this wisdom. And He says, here's how you're going to do it. I want you to do it prayerfully. That's what asks. Means in the verse, by the way. I want you to come to me prayerfully. Look to see what I have, if I have anything to say in the Bible about the situation you're facing. Look to see if I have anything to say in the spirit of prophecy about the situation that you're facing. Look to see if I will not speak to you through the impressions of the Holy Spirit. Watch providence as it develops because I am working on your behalf. I am a real true guide. I am guiding you in your life. Don't be doubting. I'm your God. Then he says, go to your uh, um, spiritual, godly uh, friends and counsel with them. And friends, when things begin to line up, if you can get three of these, of these things to line up, then you can know that you can come to a conclusion. And when you've come to a conclusion, then it's D. What? Do it. Do what? Why, do the thing that you think God wants you to do. It's that simple. It'll never be fully clear. Sometimes it is, but very rarely is it always so clear that you know without a doubt. No, no. God wants you to be decisive. He wants you to go through the step. You come to a conclusion. You may waver. You may have a little bit of doubt. Do the thing you think God wants you to do, and He can work with that. And He will work with that. And then, of course, we come to E. Express your faith. Express your gratitude that you have a living God. If God says, go to Jericho, and when you get to Jericho and it's a huge problem, and He says, I want you to march around the city seven times, then what are you going to do? Start marching. And if God brings you to your own personal Red Sea, and it looks like there's a mountain behind and a sea before and an army encroaching upon you, and He says, go through the sea, what are you going to do? Well, that's it. Start wading in. Start wading in. Whatever the conclusion, whatever God says to do, whatever the impression you have on your heart after you've done your homework, after you've gotten on your knees, and the Lord, you think, wants you to do something, then what? Do it. Do it. And now we come to F. Of course, it's taken us a long time to come to the real sermon. But we've come to F. Facing failure. Did you ever think about that? you a and then you b and then you c and e and d so cd and e <laughs> then all of a sudden you're facing failure then what 2 Corinthians chapter 2 look at verse 14 and at first glance you're going to think wait a minute wait a minute that verse doesn't make any sense i mean we're supposed to be talking about failure here 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. He causes us to what? Triumph. That's right. That's what it says. How often? Always. (laughs) Where? In every place. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were going to talk about failure here. Well, friends, this is exactly right. This is true. This is the verse we want to talk about. This is the verse that pertains to the situation more than anything else. In Desire of Ages, page 490, paragraph 5, it says this. The Savior is by the side of his tempted and tried ones. Well, friends, he's the teacher. You know, when you went to school and you went to a classroom, the teacher was in the classroom, right? She was never very far away or he. And if you ever had a problem, couldn't you call upon the teacher? Why, sure. Well, he's the teacher and he's standing by our side. If we're tempted, if we're tried, if we have a problem, of course we have. It's always that way. Now watch, with him, there can be no such thing as failure. No such thing. No such thing as loss or impossibility or defeat. Can you imagine yourself a soldier? And I know I've used this illustration before. You're a soldier, okay? And you're being called into active service. And before you leave, and you know there's a raging war out there, like it was in Vietnam. We lost 50,000 of our boys in Vietnam. That was very dangerous. I'm glad I didn't have to go there. Well, I didn't have to go there because I was Canadian. And that was a blessing. There were some times where I was very happy to be Canadian. (laughs) But anyway, supposing I wasn't Canadian, supposing at the time I was American and my number came up and they called me to active duty. And here I am facing possible death, maybe even probable death, depending where they would send me. But supposing the day before you leave, God appears to you in a dream and he says, relax, son. You're going to be in Vietnam four or five years. I don't know how many years. Well, he knows. God knows. You're going to be in Vietnam five years. But I want you to know something. You are going to come back home and you will not suffer anything. You will, not, you will come back home without one scratch. Now let me ask you something. If you, that, if you were that soldier and you went to war, would you be brave? <laughs> well, that's right. Would you be daring? Would you be bold? Why? You might even be reckless. <laughs> Isn't that true? Sure, because it's based on the promise that God has made to you. Now, if you're going to come back home, you're going to come back home without a scratch. And it's a fan a fan, fantastic concept to me. Well, now, let me ask you this. What would you attempt if you knew you couldn't fail? Hmm? Everything. Everything, anything. That's right. Well, friends... God is not asking you to attempt everything. And God is not asking you to attempt just anything either. God has a plan for your life. He knows what He wants you to attempt. But when He gets to the place where He tells you what He wants you to do, are you going to do it? Well, Shouldn't we do it? What did it say? With Him, there can be no such thing as failure. How can we talk failure if there is no such thing. <sighs> Isn't that amazing? Well, the next quotation I'm going to read, though, is going to explain that one. We are talking about facing failure. It seems like in, in this world, it's uh, not something we imagine. It seems like failure is part of the program. And so, the Bible, the Spirit of Prophecy says there's no such thing as failure with Him. You see? Now, watch. This is Desire of Ages. paragraph 2. He, that is Jesus, knew that the life of His trusting disciples would be like His. A series of uninterrupted victories. Is that how your life is? A series of uninterrupted victories? When you look back, are are you just bubbling over with joy for all that you've accomplished in your life? For God? That's what it says. Jesus knew. That the life of his trusting disciples would be like his. A series of uninterrupted victories. But watch this. Not seen to be such here. But recognized as such in the great hereafter. A series of what? Uninterrupted victories. Has your life seen that way? You know, hindsight is a little bit better than foresight. The Lord took me out of a miry it. I was working in the mines way up in northern Ontario. I was not a Seventh-day Adventist. I was totally in the world. I was engrossed with the world. Didn't know anything really about Christianity in, in the real sense of the word. And the Lord has taken me from there and step by step He's guided in my life to where that I, you know, I, I mean I, I can't even begin now to tell you all that He's done for me. And now I end up at Eden Valley, and to me it's a series of uninterrupted victories. But let me ask you something. Do you think it felt that way when I was going through this stuff? Do you think when I was in Lesotho, that's a little village, a little, excuse me, a little country landlocked in South Africa, do you think I felt very victorious? When I worked out there in the mountains and didn't see anybody for nearly two years, I thought we were in obscurity, lost forever? (laughs) No. Now, that's how it is. Last couple of weeks, we had some lifestyle guests. And uh, one of the lifestyle... He wasn't a guest. He was a, came as a support to his wife. His name was Mike Ruffridge. And he at first came very skeptically. I could tell the first days that we were meeting together that... He had an idea in his mind as to who Seventh-day Adventist was, and he was literally afraid of the whole situation and of these people, and especially of me, because I was going to share, open the Bible with the group every morning, and he thought, oh, here it comes, you know, and you could see it on his face, morning by morning, but you know, morning by morning, his face began to light up, so much so, so much so, that he asked To go for a walk with me. And when we walked together. He he shared with me how that. He he was amazed at my life. He was amazed at what God had used me to do. In this world. And as a Christian. And in Africa as a missionary. And on and on. And how that I could preach the Bible. And all of this. And then he shared to me. He says, you know I've always wanted to do that. But I failed so miserably. And you know the only thing I could say? There's not a man in the world that doesn't feel that way. It's true. I've been the president of three, now four institutions, and I've left each one feeling like i would failed miserably. Do you know why? If I felt like I had succeeded wonderfully, I would know that it is gui- uh, pr- pride that was guiding my thoughts. God is not in the business of making us look good. God is not in the business of building up our pride. He's in the business of educating us to fit into heaven. To take our place humbly where we will belong. And we must be made humble here. See? And so, the quotation goes on to say, the life of his trusting disciples will be like his, a series of uninterrupted victories, and then he has to put his hand over our eyes and say, but you won't see it, okay? It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Now, I don't believe for a minute the life of Mike Mike Ruffridge is any less, any less successful than mine. I don't believe for a minute if he is a Christian and he has been walking in in the path that the Lord has set for him that his feet are in a miry clay worse than mine. He just doesn't see it. And he just didn't realize he wasn't supposed to. Do you? What does your life look like? What does your life feel like? And if it doesn't feel like you're a great success, isn't that what the quotation says you would feel like? Turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We look at verse 7. John 13, verse 7. Jesus answered and said to him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Is that true? Yeah. So what's God doing in your life today? Do you know? (laughs) Well, don't say yes. Because the Bible says you don't. You don't really know what God is trying to accomplish for you in your life. Do you understand the trials you're going through? Will you ever understand? Well, yes, you will. It says in the the great hereafter. And that's what the next quotation says. This is volume 9, 286, paragraph 2. All that has perplexed us in the providences of God will in the world to come be made plain. When we get to heaven, and I like this picture in my little brain, when I get to heaven, I'm going to climb up onto the lap of God I'm going to cuddle up for a few minutes, warm up, and then I'm going to have my little book with me. It's the book of life, you know. We all have a chapter in it, and I think the Lord's going to hand it to us. And I'm going to look at the book of life, and I'm going to read in there every absolute, every circumstance is going to be recorded, every thought, everything we've ever done. And I'm going to be sitting there on God's lap, and I'm going to turn to a certain page, and I'm going to say, ah, I never understood why that happened. You have a minute? <laughs> you know? What do you think God will do? He's promised what it says. The things hard to be understood will then find explanation. The mysteries of grace will unfold before us. Where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises, we shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. We shall know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying. Now, which experience in your life was the most trying? Well, we don't have time to go into it. But we know this, that you go on to follow the Lord, He will explain it to you. And it goes on to say, as we realize the tender care of Him who makes all things work together for our good, we shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Can you imagine going to heaven and finding out why everything happened and you can begin to understand the wonderful care and love and wisdom and power of God? Well, friends, We don't understand it today. But can't we just rejoice anyway with joy unspeakable and full of glory? Couldn't we just by faith give Him thanks and praise His holy name and trust Him regardless of how it looks? We can't see because the appearance is dark. But friends, I'll tell you what. We do see the Bible says God is good. Is He good? Do you believe it? Yeah. Put away your doubts. God is good is good. So, if he's so good, why did he send you a package of failure? Did you order it? Did you want it? No, no. So who did it? God did it. There it is, delivered with your name on it. It looks like a stunning defeat. You wouldn't have it for nothing. As a matter of fact, you've done everything in your powers to avoid that very thing. Have you ever heard of Job? I suppose you have. Go to Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. Look at verse 25 in Job chapter 3. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Poor Job. Are you afraid of anything? Do you know that it's the man that's afraid of a dog that's going to get bitten by the dog? (laughs) Did you know that? Do you know that it's the person who is afraid of drowning, afraid of water that's likelier to drown than the one who's not? Yeah. Why does it happen that way? Does God know what he's doing? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Have you considered Job? Job? Have you considered his loss, his disease, his defeat, his failures? Did his friends come over to rub his nose in it? Did they make sure that he saw what a failure he was? Oh, yeah. Did Job understand? No, Job didn't understand. Is there anything you don't understand? Oh, yes, you say, I could write a book about it. Let me tell you something, friends. Don't write a book about it. Heaven is already writing a book about it. It's called the Book of Life, and there'll be plenty of footnotes in there, also. And I would like to tell you, don't wait. I mean, don't write a book. I want you to wait and read Heaven's explanation instead of going around and rehearsing your lamentations today. God is going to reveal all that is a mystery in your life. Now, I turn the page here. I guess everything's all right. Uh, I know what happened. Desire of Ages six, seventy-eight, paragraph 3. As the world's redeemer. Now watch this. This is going to be the most encouraging quotation we're going to read this morning. As the world's redeemer, Christ was constantly confronted with apparent defeat excuse me, failure. As the world's Redeemer, Christ was constantly confronted with apparent failure. He, the messenger of mercy to our world, seemed to do little of the work he longed to do in uplifting and saving. Satanic influences were constantly working to oppose his way, but he would not be discouraged. So here's the picture. Jesus had problems, did he? Oh, yes. I believe he had far more problems than we'll ever have. He was a greater personage, so therefore the problems were proportionate to his size. Not only that, he had a mission that the devil had to stop. And because the devil had to stop it, the devil stopped him moment by moment, day by day, and did everything he could to oppose him in what he was trying to do. And yet every time Jesus met with a problem, he went through A and B and C and D and E. And like us, I believe with all my heart that he came to F. I messed up all my notes. He faced failure. Not once, not twice, not three times. According to the quotation, he was constantly confronted with that experience. Constantly. Can I ask you something? Do you think the Holy Spirit exaggerated that little sentence in the Spirit of Prophecy? No, no. if I understand it correctly, every day Jesus wanted to accomplish something and he never actually accomplished all that he tried to do that day. Does that ever happen to you? Did you ever make yourself a list and, and this is what I've got to accomplish today and begin working and halfway through the day, you know that you've only worked on the first thing on the list and you're still not done. And the devil's throwing everything. Everything in the way, in the road. And there's some people who are supposed to be helping you to push this car up the hill. And they're putting rocks in front of the wheels instead. And it's getting worse and worse. And it's just nothing is going right. Have you ever had a day like that? Every day like that? (laughs) Well, that's what it was for Jesus. Every day. What it said. Turn with me to Isaiah 49. We're almost done now. Isaiah 49. A wonderful verse. Passage. Isaiah 49, we begin with verse 4. Jesus is speaking, by the way, in Isaiah 49, verse 4. Then I said, Jesus said, I have labored for in vain. What does that mean? I've, I've worked for nothing. Have you ever worked for nothing? I've been doing it for 30 years. They don't pay us in this work, you know. <laughs> Jesus said... I have labored in vain. Friends, I'm in good company. I have spent my strength for nothing. In vain. Isn't that amazing? Now watch. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Do you know what? Even Jesus would not judge the outcome of his own work. Did you see that in there? Yeah. To him it looked like it was useless. He would wasted his time. He'd come down here and he'd suffered. And at the end, he'd wasted his time. And then he said, by faith, because it didn't look like it was to be a success, he said, I'm going to leave it in my Father's hand. I'm not going to judge this thing. I'm going to defer judgment to the God in heaven. Isn't that what we ought to do? Don't you think so? And if Jesus didn't see success, what do you suppose you're going to see? When he was an absolute success and we're a pitial, pitiable failure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was talking to someone last night about the widow and her two mites. Put yourself in her shoes. She came and her claim to fame is her poverty. <laughs> she had two mites. She was probably embarrassed to walk over to the treasury and put the two mites in there because everyone else was giving huge gifts. And she walked away and she knew nothing of the situation. Jesus pointed at her and he said, she's given more than anyone else. Jesus used her to raise more money in the Christian church than anyone else that's ever lived. Do you think she knew it? What do you think she felt? Oh, a real success, right? Couldn't even feed her kids. What about the thief on the cross? When they nailed him there to the cross, do you suppose he felt like a great success? Why? He'd been nailed there because he was was a thief. And at the last minute, because God has grace and God has mercy and God has compassion, he said, you will be with me in heaven. Do you suppose he went to heaven thinking, man, what a great witness I am. He (laughs) was. He didn't know it. What about Mary Magdalene? What do you thought, think she thought of herself when she looked back at her life? That poor prostitute, that God, that Jesus had to deliver seven devils out of. Her whole response to Jesus was just that, a response. She saw nothing good in herself. All the goodness was in Him. A widow, a thief, a thief, a prostitute, all local failures. Isn't that amazing? But rescued from failure and who became, all three of them, fantastic witnesses. Now, and this is something else that I explained to Mike the other day as we were walking. I said to him, if God uses us, we won't know. He'll take a word that we spoke and he'll use it. And we'll go on over here and build up an institution and think that we have done something good by building up an institution and when we get to heaven it'll be worth a bag of beans and he will have taken one word that we spoke over here um, unconsciously and he will use that word and save souls. And the people that will be saved by that word will go on to save souls and will go on to save souls. And there'll be a great work done over here and we're looking over here to think, well, at least you know I did this. (laughs) Friends, we don't know anything. All that we know is that our lives looks like an apparent failure. That's what we know. I think I was reading a quotation and I'm sure I read it all. Yeah, no, we're reading the Bible here. We're in Isaiah forty nine we read verse four, verse five now. Jesus is still speaking, and now saith the Lord that formed me. Jesus is speaking. Now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him, though Israel be not gathered. Did you notice that? Jesus is speaking. He came with a mission. What was it to do? Yeah, to gather Israel. To save Israel. At the end of his life, he points at it and he said, though Israel be not gathered, I failed in the mission I came to do. But though Israel be not gathered... Yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation to the ends of the earth. You see, locally speaking, Jesus was not a great success. But his success did not end there. Because by the time it's all over, Jesus will have saved millions upon millions upon millions. He became a light to the Gentiles. If the Jews didn't want to hear it, the Gentiles did. Yeah. And it's the same thing for us. We're going to go over the same ground. The 144,000 we are told will follow Jesus... How does it go? Hmm? Wherever He goeth. That's right. Yeah, They follow Jesus whithersoever... He goeth. That's right. And friends, we're going to sing the song of Moses of the lam- and the Lamb. Do you know that it's a song of victory? Yeah, yeah. But do you know that both Moses and the Lamb didn't feel very victorious? Do you know that as Moses was climbing Mount Nebo, because Jesus said, I want you to climb Mount Nebo and there you're going to be laid to rest. What do you suppose he felt like climbing Mount Nebo? It was his fault. It was his sin. It was his failure. That's the reason why he was climbing Mount Nebo. Do you think he felt like a glorious success? And what about Jesus when he was hanging there on the cross? A lamb all mangled. He'd lost his disciples. He'd been betrayed by Judas. He'd been denied by Peter. He was arrested. He was tried. He was condemned. And he was rejected by earth and heaven. Even his father, whose wrath was being displayed upon him, had rejected him, apparently, for our sins. What do you think he felt like? Triumphant? Oh, no. He couldn't see through the portals of the tomb. He couldn't see success. The only thing he could do was remember what the Word of God said. He could, by faith, the only way he could is see success in the great hereafter. Did he fail? No. Do you know why? Because he A and B and C and D and E. That's right. And we will not fail either if we will accept the assignments as they are given to us by God. Deal with them. Face them. Don't believe you can handle them. Believe he will through you. Claim the wisdom that He has promised through the agencies he's promised to claim them. And when you come to a conclusion, go forward. I will guarantee to you because the... I, I don't have any power to guarantee anything, but God has. I'll guarantee to you that God will bring you to the kingdom a glorious victory. May God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www. Dot audioverse.org.